The Food and Drug Administration periodically releases documents in print and on its website that are geared toward healthcare professionals. New drugs, medical devices, safety notifications, and product recalls, it's all meant to help healthcare professionals protect patient safety. But channeling information through only the print medium may miss a large segment of an increasingly tech-savvy audience. So how does the FDA attract the more visual learners among us? The answer? A television and satellite broadcast show called FDA Patient Safety News. This is the FDA Voice, and I'm your host, Dr. Charles Turk. My guests today are Mark Barnett and Anita Rayner, co-anchors of the broadcast show FDA Patient Safety News. Mark and Anita, welcome to the program. Thank you. Thanks very much. I'd like to start by asking, what is FDA Patient Safety News? What's the show's mission, and how do you as co-anchors make sure the show successfully achieves its aims? Well, it's a monthly news show that we do for healthcare professionals that gives them information on the products we regulate, on the current information on risks, for example, and how to mitigate those risks. We want to be sure that this information is useful in everyday practice, and that it's about products that folks that are listening and watching are actually using. Maybe I can put Mark's answer into a little bit more context. FDA regulates products that account for about 25 cents on every dollar that Americans spend. Of course, that includes foods. That's obvious. That's in our name. But it also includes a whole array of products that are used in the medical and healthcare field. Drugs is obvious, but many people don't know that FDA regulates devices, vaccines, and blood products. Also, I think most people know that FDA plays some kind of role in approving the product or clearing a medical product before it comes to market. But an equal, if not greater, commitment that we have is to assure the safety of the products after they're on the market. And to do that, people need to have access to the latest information we have about the safety of medical products in a way they can best use it. Of course, healthcare professionals play a pivotal role in that they prescribe and, and use these medical products. And our goal is to help assure that those folks are aware of, of current risk information about those products. And the big difference with FDA patient safety news is that it is a visual medium. People can actually see things happening. We think the show is successful to the extent that it's relevant to the practitioner that it gives that person accurate and useful information, and just as important, that it's lively and it's interesting to watch. What sort of information does the show cover exactly? Well, I think we've already covered the fact that the primary target audience is healthcare professionals, and that's broadly. That's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, biomedical engineers, risk managers, anyone who works in the healthcare field. And the content for our show focuses on recalls, safety alerts. We have tips on protecting patients and preventing medical errors. And we also have stories that really are advice for patients. What sort of role, if any, do the two of you as co-anchors play in content development? Well, you know, there are a couple of aspects to this. First of all, Anita and I write each story using a number of documents. Some of them are from the FDA or from other reputable sources. We use recall notifications. We use letters from manufacturers. Each one of those so-called raw material documents is longer and more detailed than the patient safety news story that we're doing. And so we have to condense the material and integrate it. And the other thing is that these documents are essentially written for the eye. They're written for people to read, either on a screen or on paper. And we've got to change this and write it so that it's for the ear, so that it's for people listening. And it's got to be done in a conversational tone. And I imagine that's what you guys have to do for ReachMD. How often is a new installment aired and how long is each show? We produce a basic 15-minute program every month. 
that sort of forms the basis for our program. But we also like to think of FDA patient safety news as have it your way because we design it to be versatile to access and versatile to use because the 15-minute program is broken down into 8 to 10 different stories on a multitude of different topics. Another facet that's key to the program is that we have a dedicated website where the videos are housed and that people can watch the videos, they can download the videos, they can get to the original documentation that supports the videos. But that's not the only way people can get to the program. For example, we're very pleased to have some of our FDA patient safety news segments featured on ReachMD. And the video program also goes out into about uh, 4,500 hospitals and nursing homes around the country through medical satellite broadcast networks. Before asking a little bit more about FDA patient safety news, I'd like to take a moment to ask the two of you about, well, you. What are your professional backgrounds and how did you become involved in FDA patient safety news? Well, I was trained as a pharmacist and I have a Master of Public Health degree and I've spent, I guess, the better part of three decades with the FDA communicating with healthcare professionals and patients and the, the general public about the products we regulate, particularly about benefits and risks. Well, Mark and I aren't twins, but we have a fair amount of overlap in our background. I'm also an MPH master. I have a master in public health, but my background is in epidemiology. I've been with FDA for quite some time. I'm not going to divulge how long, but with my background in epidemiology, I've had a chance to work, you know, sort of in a hands-on way with respect to the safety side of medical products. If you're just joining us, you're listening to the FDA Voice on ReachMD Radio XM 160, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Charles Turk, and I'm speaking with Mark Barnett and Anina Rayner, co-anchors of the FDA Patient Safety News, or PSN. We are talking about how their broadcast show helps healthcare professionals protect patients who are using medical devices or drugs. And I'd like to ask the two of you, how current is FDA Patient Safety News? It's current in the sense that people are getting recently developed information, but this is not what you would call an early warning vehicle. I mean, FDA has other ways to get that kind of information out very quickly. Of course, we provide updates as, as the information changes. We also do a fair number of follow-up stories. For example, we might do an initial story that says that uh, FDA is looking into the possibility of some adverse effect from a medical product, but that there's no clear cause and effect relationship established. And then several months later, we might do a second story giving more information on this issue as the FDA finds out more. And then there might even be a third story letting people know that the FDA has decided that this problem is serious enough to warrant a boxed warning on the product. You know, that might all seem a bit repetitive, but I think it's hard for anyone these days with information overload to be sure that they have the information that they need with respect to a drug or a device or what have you. And a little redundancy may indeed be a, be a good thing. And after all, it's not redundant if you haven't heard it before. I think the other thing that FDA Patient Safety News does is it allows us to amplify information that may otherwise get somewhat buried. Much of what FDA does and in terms of how FDA regulates medical products, particularly drugs, is there are changes that are made to the drug labeling. Well, you know, I don't know about you, but I don't keep, you know, my prescription drug labeling at my bedside and read it every night. So I think a lot of times this information, you know, doesn't necessarily get out in the way that it should. So we try to amplify those important changes. The other aspect that is really unique is, again, this visual medium that really helps in terms of being able to 
show and identify counterfeit product or recalled products. A picture is worth a thousand words in those cases. We can also really illustrate how medical errors can and do occur and also demonstrate how to mitigate risks when using medical products. For example, there was a recent problem with infusion pumps and we actually do go out into local hospitals and uh, not only show the products, but show the ways that, for example, in this case, two nurses were going through a procedure for actually dealing with the problem with those infusion pumps. When was FDA Patient Safety News created, and have you both been there since its inception? We have. Anita and I started the show back in 2002, and we've produced a new show every month since then. In fact, just yesterday, we taped our 90-second show, and that makes us sound pretty old, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. I'm surprised I can shows. still count that high. <laughs> we haven't just stayed static, though. We've made changes and adjustments along the way as technology changes, and it's been really good the way technology has moved because that allows us to make video available in lots of different venues in lots of different ways. I think another interesting sort of historical point is that around the turn of the century, oh, I love being able to say that, there was a report that that was published by the Institute of Medicine that focused on the toll that medical errors take in healthcare delivery. And I think we all sat up and took notice with that report. And FDA Patient Safety News and the genesis of it was motivated in part by that report and wanting to do something about it. Let me add to that. Anita mentioned something about changes in technology over the years since we've been doing the show. And I can remember when we were worried when we started out that even people who had high-speed Internet access, and that wasn't many of them, got video that was about two inches long and one inch wide, and it was fuzzy. And we were concerned about whether our message was getting through. And the changes in technology have been amazing. And we now have a situation where people can go to our website and see a really good quality picture. So that's been very gratifying to us. You've talked about the benefits of what a visual and graphical medium adds to the teaching that PSN strives to achieve. Have institutions or medical practices ever expressed any interest in using PSN for training purposes? Absolutely. We get feedback from hospitals and other healthcare facilities all the time. And we're really happy when people do want to use our video. Sometimes they use the entire 15-minute video for, say, in-service training. Sometimes they're interested in certain segments. And this is an opportunity to put in a little unpaid commercial and say, the use of this program isn't copyrighted or restricted in any way. It's your tax dollars at work. And because of that, we really encourage further use and distribution in whatever form. It's my understanding that your shows have begun appearing a bit on YouTube. It appears that there's some demand on the part of patients and the public to become better informed about FDA announcements and public health advisories. How has that affected FDA Patient Safety News' content development and production? We've actually had a lot of exposure on YouTube, and we're, we're really delighted with that. A lot of the information that we present for practitioners is useful to patients and consumers, and so this is one way they're, they're getting that information. But this is still a show that we do basically for healthcare professionals. And so despite the YouTube exposure, we don't write it down for a lay audience. Have you ever produced shows specifically for the lay audience that have been uh, separate pieces or perhaps companion pieces to the healthcare professional-focused shows? 
As a matter of fact, we do, particularly when there is some overlap between the information for the healthcare professional and for the patient, but there also are different aspects that we want to highlight. So, for example, recently we did two different versions of a video about acetaminophen toxicity, and it's a really widespread problem in this country that acetaminophen toxicity and overdose is estimated to lead to about four to 500 deaths in this country every year. So we did two different versions, one for consumers that talk about and inform them how to look for acetaminophen on the label and what to avoid doing when they're taking acetaminophen. With the story we did on acetaminophen toxicity for healthcare professionals, we focused more on the background behind acetaminophen toxicity and overdoses and, for example, included information from the literature, say, in one study that talked about a a survey of adult patients that use acetaminophen products. And and we could cite data from that study that demonstrated that while 71% of patients in that survey recognized that Tylenol contained acetaminophen, fewer than 15% knew that Vicodin or Darvocet or Percocet contained acetaminophen. So those were different uh, foci for the same basic problem. Have you ever done a show where you didn't do a companion piece for healthcare professionals, but you just targeted the lay audience? We don't do whole shows for the lay audience, but we do include stories that we believe will provide information for the patient, the consumer, for example. And we call those segments advice for patient segments. We did what I thought was a pretty effective story on how to get the most out of your glucose meter. It was a good story because we could demonstrate how to use the glucose meter. And for the millions of diabetics in this country, you know, it was important to be able to walk through the steps and understand how to use the meter to measure their blood sugar. Another example would be buying medical products online, what to look for, how to do it safely. Again, another example would be recalls of any sort if the products are in the hands of the consumers. If it's a recalled drug or recalled say, device, particularly a device that's used in the home, and that's something that's happening more and more, it doesn't matter where the product's being used. You want to make sure that if the product needs to be returned or needs to be thrown away or destroyed, that we don't have dangerous product out there. So how does the busy healthcare professional access these shows? Well, I think the most straightforward way to do it is to go to our website, which is www.fda.gov PSN. It's a one-stop shop for all of our videos and background documents. The other thing I would recommend is to sign up for our mailing list. That way you can find out every month, as soon as the new videos come out, which ones we're featuring, and watch what you want to watch. We've been talking with Mark Barnett and Anita Rayner, co-anchors of the FDA Patient Safety News. Mark and Anita, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much. Thank you. I'm Dr. Charles Turk. You've been listening to the FDA Voice on ReachMD Radio XM 160, the channel for medical professionals. ReachMD online, on demand, and on air. Please visit us at ReachMD.com, and thank you for listening.